Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. I also host the podcast Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, which you can listen to if you need your literary fix fast. This podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, is for anyone out there who wants to feel better in their bodies like I do. There's a private support group that I started on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. And all of us share tips, suggestions, recipes, meal ideas, and generally just give each other lots and lots and lots of support so that it isn't so hard to do what should be simple, but somehow isn't. So please listen to the podcast, hear stories from people just like you who have struggled and overcome things and have ideas and suggestions. And let's just do this together. We got this. Thanks for listening. I truly loved interviewing Jenna Hamshaw. And even though it's spelled G-E-N-A, you pronounce it J-E-N-N-A. So just FYI, Jenna Hamshaw is the author of Power Plates, 100 Nutritionally Balanced One-Dish Vegan Meals, which is a cookbook. She's a registered dietitian, a cookbook author, and the writer of The Full Helping, a food blog dedicated to accessible, satisfying vegan recipes. She believes that food is a form of pleasure as well as nourishment and that life is too short to ever turn down cake. I could not agree more. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight to discuss Power Plates, Food 52 Vegan, your cookbooks, and all of your exciting endeavors. Oh, thank you so much, Zibby. It's really fun to be here. So how did you get into doing all the things you're doing? You became a nutritionist. You've written all of this. Take me back to the beginning of like your whole journey. And I know in your introduction, you wrote about your own relationship with food and some hurdles you've overcome. So if you don't mind, let's start at the beginning and then go from there. A very good place to start. Yeah. So this was all sort of unintentional. I've always had a really, or at least I grew up with a really complicated relationship with food. So in many ways, food has been a big part of my life for a long time, but it was never something I intended to do professionally. I was actually a book editor in my first career and I did that for almost six years and I loved it. It was really exciting. You know, I, I don't have the sort of career change story where it's like I had some soulless day job and I couldn't wait to leave. I really liked what I did, but I became vegan when I was in my mid twenties and it really changed my life in a lot of ways. And after that, I was just, I was inspired to start blogging because I had taught myself how to cook through vegan blogs. So there were like a couple of vegan cookbooks at the time, but the blog community was very passionate And it was just, at the time, very few people were vegan. I mean, no one in my personal life was vegan. So I found a lot of a sense of belonging through food blogs. And by reading them and teaching myself how to cook through them, that's what made me want to write one. So I began as a hobbyist blogger. And as I was going through that journey, I was also just becoming more and more interested in nutrition and nutrition science and medicine in general. So At some point after I had been sort of balancing my nine to five job with blogging at night, every night on the weekends, basically up into the wee hours, I decided it was time to really make some sort of cohesive change. And I actually, for a little while, thought I was going to go the medical route. I did a pre-med post-bac when I was 28, I think, when I started that process. So it was very uphill for me. I had never studied the sciences in my entire life. (laughs) It really kicked my butt. It was very hard. And I did not get into medical school. But in some ways, that was a really good redirection because nutrition had always been the sort of like the heartbeat of my interest in, in medicine and the body. 
And I had already done a lot of the prerequisites I needed to become a dietitian anyway. So that's when I pivoted, did my master's in nutrition science, became a dietitian. And all the while, I was very lucky in that my blog just kept growing and growing and growing. I sold my first two cookbooks or my first cookbook. And then I collaborated on my second cookbook with Food 52. And things just kind of came together really nicely. So now my private practice as a dietitian is like one part of the puzzle. That's the part of my life that allows me to help people and have interpersonal work. And then my my life as a recipe developer and a writer is what keeps my creative engines going. That sounds perfect. <laughs> it sounds like you probably solved this whole life puzzle of how to incor- include like all the aspects of your professional and intellectual and creative life into, into a career. Like that's awesome. It is awesome. And it's a ton of work, but it's work that I really love, you know, so that's a really good problem to have. And blogging changes. I mean, you know this because you do digital creation too. Blogging changes so frequently and the learning curve is so high in that way. There's always some new platform or technology to master. So it really does keep me on my toes and engaged. And what I've learned about myself is that I really need that actually, as much as it can feel frustrating sometimes. And I roll my eyes about it. That is part of what keeps me ticking professionally. So it's a good thing. I It's funny you say that because I've kind of been thinking that same thing about, about myself in the back of my head. I'm like, I must enjoy like teaching myself Squarespace. Like I must... This some, I must be getting something out of these things that I try to figure out. Otherwise, I wouldn't be trying to figure them out. Totally. Right? Like, totally. And I think, honestly, it's learning. I mean, obviously, you love to learn. You love school. If you were just willing to try out medical school, I mean, that's like <laughs> no joke, right? Um, <laughs> no joke. Like, I feel like all these platforms and even the different social media things and all of these tools are the way that people who used to love school have to learn these days in a way which is crazy. (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, and yeah, anything with online creation involves just a lot of teaching yourself things and like Googling tutorials (laughs) Um, and sitting down and just like learning through doing. And again, it's, it's the sort of thing that I sometimes complain about and it can feel very overwhelming, but I know I stay in it for a reason. And the fact that it engages me intellectually must be a big part of that. What is the latest platform or something you've figured out that's been really helpful? I'm getting more into video lately, which has been a journey. And it's a journey that I'm at the very start of. So like my content is not where I would like it to be. Um, but that is becoming really important for what I do. Right. And, and, you know, at the beginning, it, again, I rolled my eyes. I was like, Oh, I just spent all these years teaching myself food photography, which is not really my thing to begin with. Like that's not, that's not where my talents are. And it felt like it took me so long to even be semi-competent at that. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I felt like I was like, okay, I got this video content has become really like a huge new important thing to master. And so I'm figuring out how to create food videos and edit food videos. And it's been uphill, but what I've realized is that it's also a fun challenge and it is like a different creative muscle to flex for sure. Do you take all the photos on your Instagram? I don't. So I take some of them. And then the person who helps me is a wonderful photographer named Trina, who's in actually Denmark. And she works with me on a lot of my photo development and is awesome. So we've become collaborators and I think our styles are very consistent, which has been a good thing since we work together so closely. 
That's great. Yeah. yeah. I was watching Nailed It with my kids last night. And I was like, can we just like Google how to become a contestant? Because every time we watch it, we're like, would we rather be contestants or judges? Anyway, you have to like put a whole video together of yourself cooking. So last night I was literally thinking like, if I were to do a video of myself cooking, what would that look like? And now here you are being like, this is what I'm like currently mastering. So <laughs> definitely, definitely. But let's go back, if you don't mind, to your your food journey. And can you tell me, and not to you know totally delve into your personal life here, but I feel like I can say it because you put it in your book, but can you talk to me about overcoming an eating disorder and how that has changed your life and, and maybe sort of some of your lowest points in that experience? Yeah, of course. No, my eating disorder story is all over my blog, so it's not super private in any way. And I'm happy to share more about it because I think there was a lot of healing in the sharing sometimes. But yeah, I had a really troubled relationship with food starting at a young age. I was really 11, 12 when my issues with food began and my restrictive tendencies began. And they waxed and waned really all through middle school and high school. And then they got pretty acute when I was in college. And then I sort of got a little bit better. And then they got acute again when I was in my early twenties. And so I go back. So what does yeah. that, what do you mean? Like what got acute? What, what exactly were the habits or what was the, yeah. what, what did it look like? It looked like being really underweight, first of all. So just like that presentation of everything, but also just extreme restriction, both not eating and eating very specifically and in very limited amounts and at really precise times, lots of controlling stuff coming out too, just like being very precise and controlled and measured in everything I chose. And I would say that there were there were times where it sort of also incorporated other self-destructive habits. So like I did some self-harming and just like a lot of other self-destructive tendencies, self-isolation, it all kind of works together. You know, I think sometimes when you have, when you're dealing with that struggle, what you find is that the inability to be kind to yourself is extending to lots of different areas of your life. And that was definitely true of me, but it was basically a restricting type eating disorder. And it also, I would say delved into, especially when I was in my early twenties, it delved into what we call orthorexia now, which is just like the complete obsession with healthy eating. So when I was unwell in college, it was very weight focused and it was very like, you know, I knew it was about weight and I could have admitted to that. When I was in my early twenties, it started becoming more about health and wellness. And I think looking back, it was still about the weight. But I think that's not what my mind was telling me. My mind was saying like, no, this is just about eating healthy. And this is about making good choices for my body. And that it took me to the same place ultimately. Okay. So sorry. So keep going. You were in your twenties and then what happened? So I was in my early twenties. I started doing the work of like real lasting recovery, really did a deep dive in therapy. And were you ever inpatient? I wasn't an inpatient or res. So I, I was working basically like with my therapist, my physician overseeing. And as I went through all of that, I started to just like get in touch with my own desire to like live a recovered life, a bigger life, a richer life, which is ultimately what I think recovery is really about at the core. It's about wanting a life that is richer and freer than the one that you have. And I had been sort of curious about veganism for a long time. I had stopped eating red meat when I was a kid, basically. So it had never, meat had never been a big part of my life. And 
I had read like Diet for a New America and a couple of books like way back when that were sort of talking about plant-based diet. And I was curious, but of course I was also wondering if it was just my new food thing or a new manifestation of my eating disorder. And I decided to give veganism a try. And what I found was that I really loved it. I started to eat a lot of foods I had never tried before, ironically, because you're taking things out of your diet. It actually encouraged me to try things that I had not tried. And I was a pretty like I was a pretty picky eater apart from my food issues. So it was a big deal for me to be trying things like tempeh and like, you know, all these different whole grains and beans I had never eaten before. And what I also found was that being vegan connected me to a sense of my food choices having like a greater meaning and a greater contribution to the world around me. I found that it was really, it really reframed eating as being, you know, instead of it being all about me and my body, it suddenly became about like, what impact do the choices I make on my plate have on the world around me? Like, what does that mean? And it allowed me to sort of make peace with food in a, in a new way, a way that was really helpful for me. And it was also the reason I taught myself how to cook. So it, it had a lot of wonderful benefits for me. And I, I think that that was a real turning point in my recovery and has remained a real turning point in my recovery. In my recovery, I think that's the thing that has given me now more than a decade of living in the recovered place and having a really great relationship with food, a relationship with food that I could not have ever imagined. Like if you had told me that I would now do what I do, like writing cookbooks and eating the things I do. If you had told me that when I was 20, I would not have believed that it would ever be possible. Wow. And now you're helping all of these other people. Tell me also about your private practice and what you're, what you've been getting out of that. It's been great. It's still new. Grad school took me forever. (laughs) It took me like, it literally took me like 11 years almost. So I actually finished my clinical internship, not this past fall, but like the fall before my private practice is basically two years old. I've been doing some nutrition work for a long time, but like actually my, my full-time gig as a dietitian is relatively new and it has been wonderful. And it's funny how I think the people who need to find you, find you in many parts of life. Right. And so not surprisingly, a lot of the people who find me as a dietitian are people with disordered eating or eating disorders, not always sort of full-blown eating disorders that require a higher level of care. Like as an outpatient dietitian, I'm not able to give that level of support, but a lot of people whose eating disorders, you know, they've already been through inpatient or they've been through more formal treatment and they're now looking to kind of create their relationship with food for the long haul, you know, or people who've had eating disorders in the past, or they've always had disorder tendencies and they're trying to just make a little bit of peace with that and like find some lasting harmony for themselves. So that is most of the people I work with. I also have like a smattering of digestive health patients. So I see a lot of people with IBS, IBD, and some people who are just trying to like eat a more wholesome diet in a very generalized way, but it's mostly eating disorders. Wow. Well, I have some candidates. I have some people I'm going to refer, unfortunately. So anyway. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, but I hope I can help. If there are people listening who have friends or loved ones or somebody who they feel like needs some help, how would people reach you? So they can reach me through my site. It's the fullhelping.com. And there is like a services page page on my site where people can email me or fill out a contact form. They can also like, I always tell people DM me on Instagram. Like if that's how you find me, just don't wait, shoot me a message, especially if you're struggling, if you're in pain, like 
don't wait to send an email. Just shoot me whatever message is easiest for you. So I'm at the full helping on all social media channels across the board. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, although my Twitter was recently hacked. So I now like had to start from scratch and have like five followers, but, but yeah. So, and my email is Jenna at the full helping.com. You can always shoot me a note, tell me what's going on and we can talk about what support would look like for you. So for the person out there who is just like, okay, I've put on some weight. I can't seem to get a, I can't seem to refocus. I don't feel good in my body. Like what, what would you tell that person? I always, as a dietitian, my philosophy is always that my client is the person who knows what is best for them and their body. And, you know, I take my cues from my client and what my client wants. I would say the only exception would be someone who has an eating disorder that's so acute that it is really warping their sense of what's best for them. And I, in those cases, like, I think there's sometimes a distinction between what the person thinks is in their best interest and what I think is in their best interest. But for my clients who are not in that kind of place of being really, really, really of their eating disorder being completely in the driver's seat, it's more just someone who isn't feeling great in their body. I take my cues from them and I ask like, how can I help? Where is it that you want to go? What do you sense is best for you? Like, I think right now, especially, I think right now in the nutrition world, it's great that we're having a conversation about diet culture. I think that's so important and it's so overdue. And I think that we're having a really important conversation about not commenting on people's bodies, not associating weight with health. These are all really great things, but I think that, an ancillary thing has happened is that it can sometimes, I think you can sometimes get the message that it's never okay to want to lose any weight at all. That's not okay. Like that is inherently wrong, inherently bad. And I don't know that I completely align with that. You know, I I think for some people, it is an appropriate desire on their part to want to lose a little bit of weight or just want to look at their diet and make some changes that they believe will make them feel more energetic happier, more content in their bodies. And I don't ever judge that. I see it as my job to sort of listen and support. And I do work with quite a lot of people on goals exactly like that. And it's always very person to person, right? So what what weight loss might look like for a person totally depends on their circumstances. Some people come to me and they want to lose more weight than I think is appropriate for them. And I'm just always really honest. Like, I can't help you with that goal. I don't think it's a reasonable goal. But for the people whose goals are reasonable, we sort of sit down and take a look at how they're eating and talk about what might serve that goal. Um, So give me like the one sentence or not one sentence, but the short version of why you think veganism is like the greatest thing ever. (laughs) So for me, it's totally an animal rights thing. I do not think veganism is the healthiest diet. I don't think there is a healthiest diet out there. I think it's really, there are many ways to eat healthy and the right diet for any individual depends on their life. I think it can be a really wonderfully nutritious way to eat, but that is not what has kept me vegan for you know, years and years and years. What's kept me vegan is the ethics around it. I think now it's also, we know a lot more about the environmental benefits than we did when I first went vegan. So that has now been incorporated into like my, my own personal motivation for being vegan, but it really is an ethics question. And what I always, you know, tell people who are curious is you don't need to become vegan in order to be healthy. Eating more plant foods is always great, you know? So like, I think everyone can benefit from incorporating more plant-based meals into their diets 
for health reasons and lots of other reasons, but it's not, it's not mandatory. If it is something you want because it speaks to you philosophically or spiritually or ethically, I can help you do it in a way that is healthy and sustainable for the long term. Okay. I get it. (laughs) So what's coming next for you? You're getting more into video. You have these cookbooks, what you have your blog. Tell me what's, what's like the next, what does the next year or two look like for you? Uh, I I wish I had a clear plan. (laughs) I think getting, getting into the video is important. I'm always trying to grow my blog. I'm always trying to reach more people. I think my blog, as much as I love it, it was a little bit on autopilot for a while because I was in grad school. I also went through a huge slump of depression in my mid thirties. And it was like seeing the world through a cloudy plane of glass. It was just so hard to create. It was so hard to connect. It was so hard to do anything I wanted to do. Like I would wake up every day with the intention of, you know, doing something for my business. And it's just so hard to accomplish anything. So now that I'm sort of out of that, there's a lot I would like to do just in terms of resources on my blog. I'd love to maybe create some e-courses or just things people can do. People who can't work with me in a private practice setting or don't want to like still give them robust information and resources and encouragement. I would love to create things like that. I think that would be fun. And then I'm working on my next cookbook, which (laughs) thanks to COVID, I have extended my deadline now like three times, which is kind of embarrassing, but it is what it is. I'm working on it now. It has not been as easy to write as Power Plates was, I think just because the circumstances of the last year have been so kooky, but I'm hoping that with with spring and with things changing a little bit in the world around me, I'll be more able to like shake off the writer's block or the recipe developer's block and get into it. Wow. Well, if you need any taste testers across the park, oh my god, I'm right over. This looks so. I mean, everything in here looks so good and like healthy and enticing and delicious. And you know, I started dog earing different pages because I was like, ooh, I better try that. But yeah, I don't know. Keep going. I, I would love to read more of these. Careful what you wish for. I will take you up on the recipe testing offer. <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't kidding. I'm not kidding at all. I mean, how great if this was like my plate for breakfast instead of the pancake that I ate, honestly, off my kid's plate. So, you know, <laughs> anyway, well, Jenna, thank you. It was so nice to talk to you. And I'm so inspired by the fact that you took something that for you was so difficult and instead turned it around, learned everything you could about it and used your knowledge to now help other people. I mean, that is like a true gift. And it's it's a beautiful thing that you've done for so many people who I'm sure you will help. And I'm sorry that some of these demons have worked against you and like the depression and the all the things that have been stumbling blocks. And despite all that, you're so productive and such a good person and like just <laughs> not giving up is amazing. No, it's true. It's really awesome. So, you know, not to sound, you know, I don't know, condescending in some way, but I just, I hope you're like proud of what you're doing uh-huh. and what you're able to work through. It's, it's really a lot and you should feel really good about it. So you know, I mean, I, I think I'm really lucky. Yeah. Like there, from a mental health perspective, there have been some things in my life that I carry around that are hard and I'm, it will continue, right? Like these things like depression come and go in life and it is what it is, but I have had the opportunity to connect with a lot of people through talking about struggle. And that is like incredibly beautiful and it heals me too. You know, like the work I do trying to support other people, it continues to give back and and heal me in a really profound way. So I'm just lucky that it's possible. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on Moms No Time to Lose Weight and for sharing your story. And I hope we'll stay in touch and, you know, I can eat all your great stuff. <laughs> I was just going to say, now that we know that we're practically neighbors, let's stay in touch. We'll have an opportunity to sit down and snack on something or have a wonderful meal together. That sounds awesome. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> all all right. right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. Don't forget to follow the private support group at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight on Instagram. Thanks.